Hi, everybody. This is Adriana Trajani. I'm the host of You Are What You Read. I have the privilege of interviewing luminaries of our times about the books that shaped them from childhood until now. We get everybody from Sarah Jessica Parker to Kristen Hanna, Mitch Albom, Susie Essman, Craig Ferguson, Rain Wilson, Amor Tolls, you name it, they come, they share. New episodes of You Are What You Read drop every Tuesday on Apple, Spotify, or any major streaming platform wherever you listen to your podcasts. I'm Elizabeth Reese. I'm Marjorie Punnett. And this is Best to the Nest, the podcast that's all about creating strong, comfortable, beautiful nests that prepare us to fly. You know, I have to say, Marjorie, let's just give a shout out to our nesters out there and um, all of you who listen to the podcast because your emails that you send in when you share with us things about the podcast that have resonated with you are so incredibly poignant and meaningful. And, you know, we have these conversations, I think so at, at their core, so we feel united and less alone. And then that right. extends to our listening audience. It's just the best thing. Podcasts are the best. I love them. <laughs> it, it is. And they're, and they're comforting. And I, I hope, I'm so glad you wanted to start with a shout out because I think that's what we all are looking for is connection. And and this podcast has provided us with a very modern connection, but we're grateful for that. I'm grateful for that. In particular, this week, I am grateful for a listener named Becky, yeah. who really took the time to share with me what she's been going through in taking care of her parents. And this is our follow-up to our burnout episode, which we got quite a bit of response to. And um, I, I will say for my part... At the time, I talked a little bit about what I was going through in caring for my mom. Um, in December, we moved her into a retirement facility. She's in assisted care living, and she needs quite a bit. So she's really in a place where she can get 24-7 care. Yeah. So if she needs somebody at 3 o'clock in the morning, they're there. She is um, – this will always be a hard process to – be a part of decisions for your parent, which you know they're not liking yeah, or that are particularly difficult for them. My mom was, um, no big surprise, incredibly independent always. And this is in every way so limiting for her. She's really lost the ability to walk successfully. Man. So she keeps trying, so she keeps falling. And I'm going to be pretty graphic right here because I want everybody, if you take anything from best of the nest, take, we talk a lot about bringing children into the world, Yeah, but there's a whole nother discussion about how we usher the people we love. Usher, that seems like the wrong word. I how think we, it is though. That's like a kind, it's like holding on to someone's elbow as you walk them to yeah. their seat, you know? Oh, I mean, you. it is <laughs> that really, I know like, it, to, I think you took it in that moment as like, don't let the door kick you on the way out. You know, I mean, that's not like, I think that is not what it is. It's definitely more, um, about like a kind support as you help someone move from one destination to the next. Yeah. And, and the next is coming in for my mother and whether it's a year or two years or three years, but it is really difficult 
to see someone dying by a thousand cuts, yeah, which is really what her situation has become. And what's really hard is how I mentioned a little bit, or I may have that, that as you get older, you're and women stay out of the sun, stay out of the sun. (laughs) As you get older, your skin gets thinner. And particularly in my gene pool, our skin gets very, very thin. So her skin, if she bumps up against a wall, it tears. Yeah. It's just that easy. But it has progressed to now, if she falls, her skin bursts. Mm. So she fell down on Sunday and the from a fall on carpet, you know, from a walker down, and the cut was from her knee to her shin. Oh, my gosh, Marjorie. Because if you think of, like, grapes, it's like, you know, when you pop a grape? Yeah. How that how that tear would look, right. that's what her legs look like. And so this is not this is something that none of us were prepared for. Mm-hmm. And so I think what I was so grateful when Becky decided to write in and I got her permission to share the note, we, Becky and I, want everybody else that's going through this difficulty and love filled long goodbye how difficult it is. And so this is these are Becky's words, and I just want to share them with you and with everybody out there that might be struggling. So Becky wrote, I want to hug both of you. A dear friend sent me the link to the burnout episode. I'm in the midst of caring for my 81-year-old mother and providing assistance for my father. After many traumatic health events, it became clear to me and my four siblings that our parents were na- unable to live alone anymore. My household was chosen because of the size and my ability to push through and get things done. They've been with us for 14 months now. I can't keep going like this much longer. The burnout is strong with this one. Marjorie touched upon the core struggle for many caretakers, lack of freedom, lack of spontaneous life, ad infinitum. My husband and I have eight children. Our youngest just turned 18. We looked forward to traveling and exploring without the arduous task of planning around our large family, but then enter my parents. It seemed I had just gotten a glimpse of freedom when the rug was pulled out from under me. The previous year was traumatic for my whole family. Mom was in and out of hospitals. I personally held her through two major seizures and many episodes of temporary dementia that took a toll on my coping skills. Mom requires 24-7 care and all that entails. My parents are wonderful, loving, beautiful people. When my husband and I decided to take a trip for our 40th wedding anniversary, all hell broke out. I booked the tickets and informed my siblings of our plans and that they would need to take shifts. A whirlwind of emotions, reactions, and resentment surfaced. I was genuinely surprised because my siblings are fantastic humans who have offered support here and there. Here and there doesn't cut it, by the way. Suffice to say, my family had a revelation of the soul-sucking nature of caring for mom 24-7, none of which is my mother's fault. It's just what is. My sister is now taking the 7.30 a.m. to 12.30 p.m. shift Monday through Friday. My brother is taking dinner and bedtime shift on Monday nights, 6 to 8. My other brother is doing bedtime on Wednesdays. This has been immensely helpful, but I'm still overwhelmed as I am responsible for all the other times seven days a week. My children noticed my energy and motivation dropping off considerably. They and my husband suggested getting a physical and asking about medication. I was surprised people noticed my change in energy, my demeanor, and my weight gain. I thought my buoyant, positive attitude covered my growing resentment and hopelessness. It did not. 
I turned down lunches and events with friends because of the energy required to organize coverage for mom. I fear old age now. I had always been excited about being old and wise. I hadn't thought about illness or fragility being a part of my aging process. I've been so angry with my parents for not planning ahead for their long-term care. Recently, my father said they had always planned on moving in with us. They consider it a perfect fit and are so grateful to be here. What can I say to that? What kind of horrible daughter am I? I think if my mother didn't require intensive care, I would enjoy having them here. It was just my father. It would be a joy because he is self-sufficient and goes about his day happily and contentedly. I don't ever want my kids to be in this position. It has hurt my relationship with my parents. I find I have disassociated from them. I look at them as an elderly couple I am caring for because the trauma of seeing them needy and helpless has destroyed me. Oh, my gosh. The doc put me on Wellbrutrin. I hope it helps. I'm embarrassed to send this after rereading it. I sound like an ungrateful, whiny baby who mopes around in a negative cloud of selfishness. This is not the mom, daughter, friend, or wife I want to be. During our anniversary getaway, I cried a lot, I laughed a lot, I FaceTimed with my kids and loved spending uninterrupted time with my husband and then began to panic when our time was coming to an end. Enter the burnout episode. Yes, 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 thank you for getting it. And I wrote to her and just said, I get you and you're not horrible no. and you're not selfish. No. And And so I just think that that's, I mean, I'm sort of stunned by the position that I, – I was stunned by the position that I was in. And I think all of my sisters and I sort of look at this and we are trying really hard to take from it what will we do differently. Yeah. Because yeah. this is bad. It's so hard. And for it- Becky – you know, I so identified with, I'm positive and I can push through anything. This is not that. Right. It's not anything. It's mm-hmm. everything. You get hit on every level, loss of freedom, nurse care, caregiving, you know, everything else that I won't go into. So you get, you get used up in every single way that you can imagine. Right. It's such, you know, I think how Becky, number one, I want to say how Becky articulated this was really beautiful and Mm -hmm. vulnerable and open and honest and is a major gift to us all. And how you've been talking about this, Marjorie, is exactly the same. And I think there were a couple of things here that really struck me um, as I listened to you share her story. And, you know, she sent this email to us and and I read it. and, um, And number one, I thought, what what it's so unexpected because... It's not like something that you plan for. You know, I, I think back, I think to like, okay, what's the most relatable thing in my life right now, which is having a baby, right? When you right. are 100% 24-7 in charge of a totally vulnerable human's care. I mean, that's the thing that I can relate to the most. Sure. But when you're in this situation where you have a baby, you are continually seeing that baby make progress and grow and gain strength in all of these areas so that every, you know, every day you can see them progressing into a human who will be more self-sufficient, right? For the most part. I mean, if you have children with special needs that I think that maybe is a little bit more relatable to this as you sort of look at like, okay, what does my life look like? Right. And then though, when you're caring for an aging parent, there is this number one, when you when you're going to 
get, you know, when you're, I want to tread lightly here, but when you're going to get that freedom back that you lost, it comes at the cost of major grief. And then which a grief, which is made so much more complicated by the feeling of relief that you will inevitably feel when those responsibilities are lifted. So not only is it sort of waiting for this passing, feeling guilty that you're waiting for that. And then when it happens, I can't even imagine how much more complicated that that means makes grief. And the only thing I can relate this to again, is like so difficult for me to bring up these examples. But like when, when my dog Henry passed away and he was an aging dog and I, and he was so bad with kids and I loved him so much. He was my first baby. But but once I started having kids, Mm. I was constantly terrified that Henry was going to bite them. And it was just this fear. And when, when he passed away, I felt so sad, but I also felt so relieved. And then I felt so awful for feeling that relief. These are like the only things that I can relate to in this arena. And I feel like maybe, you know, some of our listeners in my age range can relate to those sorts of things too. So I don't know then what do you do in terms of like, what are you thinking about? What is Becky thinking about in terms of how can you do this differently? Well, I think, I think a couple of things is that, you know, so much of end of life is so incredibly expensive. Mm-hmm. Yes. And so, and there's a part of that that I really struggle with because my mom was a a huge traveler and sort of adventurer, but at the same time was also incredibly frugal. And there's a part of me. I mean, these are the these are the things that I'm trying to reconcile for my own life. My mother has lived hers, and 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 will continue to live in the choices that have been made and that she now exists in. Right. But it's hard for me to think about like, do you save all of your money so that you can be taken care of when you're older, in a, in a dignified, graceful way, not by your children who mm-hmm. are for the most part not qualified to do it. Or do you blow it all? (laughs) Do you just blow it all and have the time of your life and let everything else sort itself out, but make sure that you don't end up like making your kids responsible for that decision? So I sort of have both examples in my family. My father moved to Mexico when he was in his 50s and asked for help, some help along the way from us. But in terms of the the huge finances of end of life, he didn't ask for much yeah, and made that choice and, you know, died with a community of friends that he had created down there. And those, that was his choice, but he really literally did whatever he wanted from about 54 on. Holy moly. Yeah. Okay. I'm liking that pretty- lesson. I like parts of this. Okay. Yeah. So I've got the extremes. And then, yeah. you know, I've got my mother who was super, super independent until she fell down when she was 87 mm-hmm. or 80, she's 86 or 87. And then like all of the, I mean, all of what has ensued from that. And so, I mean, she was in intensive care for four or five weeks. Oh, I remember when you were like, she's not going to make it out of this. No, because she was in intensive care in May 2020 at the height of COVID. Yeah. It was insane. So we've been on this really emotional, difficult journey with her for two years. Mm -hmm. And 
God bless her, she hasn't enjoyed it either. It's like, like, yeah. let's, let's not forget, she's the patient. You know, the hard part is, is she doesn't remember any of it. So a lot of it she doesn't remember. So those those things that, like, when you tell a child, don't hit the hot stove, the child will remember it. You can say something to my mom, please don't do this. Mm-hmm. She won't remember. And so it's 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 Groundhog Day on some of the the the, the ways that she hurts herself. So it's so. What have I learned? What I've learned is I've got a lot to sort out. There's some real deep thinking and probably therapy in my future. And I would say for any caregiver, get a support team because it's it's emotionally crushing. That part about disassociating is super weird because I was doing that without even realizing that I was doing it. And Ian was the one who's like, "Why do you call your mom?" call her Mary sometimes. And if I was super frustrated with her, I would start calling her Mary so that I wouldn't lose my temper. Yeah. So that it would just be, you're just an elderly woman, like Becky said, who really needs love and compassion and my help. So I'm going to be the Christian that I try to be. And I would call her Mary because it just... Because that way it was untangled from any other triggers or any other things, yeah. you know, that get bound yeah. up in a mother-daughter relationship. It was just a woman who was vulnerable. Mm-hmm. So it's a, there are so many weird little things that happen along the way. But I, I think in terms of your question, which I have not yet answered, is what do you do? Is it long-term health care? Is it, you know, I was talking about it with my brother-in-law today. And when my mom was in her late 70s, early 80s, she made the rounds of all of the retirement homes in every city that we all lived in with the idea that she was going to choose one. Yeah. And had she done that, the situation would be very different. Mm -hmm. Number one, she might not have fallen in the way she did on the streets of Chicago by herself. But number two, a lot of these retirement homes, you buy into them and then you're sort of in it for life. Yeah. And she didn't do it. She loved where she lived. She loved her life. She wanted that is that right or wrong you know it's just it's just every everybody that's your age elizabeth that has parents in their late 60s early 70s needs to sit down with their parents and have a conversation unless you think you're the daughter or son that wants to be their caregiver you got to have that that's the conversation my sisters and i did not have with our mom like yeah. if this all goes terribly wrong mom what where are you going to go right and, you know, everybody, I think, would like to think, oh, my parents will move in with me and it'll be great and it'll be fine. I had no idea the level of difficulty and, like, medical care and just day-to-day skills that I would need to do what I had to learn how to do. You know, and yeah. and and so I, I just think that it, more than anything else, I have to sort through what I'm going to do have a conversation with my kids. I mean, my kids and I have already talked about is the next step that we all buy something together and it's truly intergenerational housing. Right. That, you know, when we need skilled care, that that's just part of the fabric of who we bring into our family, which is somebody who's taking care of us. Is that what we want to do? That's what the boys want us to do, which I think is very sweet. Is it the right thing to do? I don't know. I love, but I mean, I think those conversations happening is so important. And this is what you touched on that, Marjorie, that I want to make sure, because when I think about, you know, we talk about this with our house, like, you know, we have this little tiny shed garage 
Yep. Barely fits a car. Unbelievably small. I mean, it's just ridiculous. <laughs> you look at it. People will be like, wow, your yard looks so big. And I was like, it's just because our garage looks so, is really so small. Yeah. Anyway, I mean, it's just so odd. There's like no room on either side. You can barely squeeze your hiney out of the door of the car well, when you're parked Your house there. is a historic house. It was probably mm-hmm. built for a coach and, you know. It's exactly. Yeah. It was not built for, uh, you know, a giant SUV. Yeah. So, um, but we, you know, we talk about mowing that down, building a new garage and then building an apartment above. And you said right. something to me that was like, I was like, I have these visions of this super cute apartment and I have visions of using it for, like, I would love to have a nanny live there. Mm, I would love to, you know, and kind of like, and then maybe Airbnb it at some point and then have it as an option for our parents. And you said to me, you need to make sure that you put an elevator in that. Like, if you're thinking at all about having your parents live there, you need to put an elevator in it because they'll never be able to go up and down the stairs. And I was like, oh, my gosh, God. I didn't even think about it. I mean, this is how, like, dumb. It sounds dumb to say that now. No. But I would not have even thought about that yep. because I think what happens is, is that as humans, like, we know the people that we know as we know them. And right. so you are right. incapable of imagining what it's like of what your parents are going to be like in 10, 15, 20 years. Like I think right now, oh, if my parents came to live with us in our cute little apartment above the garage, like it would be great and like it would how be fun. fun. And like mom yeah. and I would go to coffee and then it would right. be like my dad could help pick up the kids and like we would do all these things. But you're, what's happening is that you, you are not imagining the level of care that goes into taking care of someone who is at risk of hurting themselves all the time and is never getting better is only getting worse. I mean, that's like what I think is so difficult. I also think that is where you can end up with so many resentments with your siblings because like as I'm looking back at Becky's message and what she's talking about and what she described when she said, you know, she was doing all of it. She gets her siblings in to say, like, guys, I can't do this. She says, my sister is now taking 7.30 a.m. to 12.30 p.m. Monday through Friday, okay? She has two brothers. Each of those brothers is taking one evening a week. Right. Like, the undue – now, you have four sisters, or, you know, you have four girls. There's three sisters, so it's a little bit different. But, like, the undue pressure of the sisters in the family to do the caregiving – compared to the brothers seems like, I mean, and Becky, this is no judgment on your brothers. And this is more of like a societal commentary because I don't know what anybody's individual situation or circumstances. But I do think that there is a trend in that, in that it's just the girls in the family will take care of it. Right. And then who else will be around? I mean, I don't know. At least I'm thinking, well, good thing I've got Bernie because who knows what Frankie and he's got Bernie. <laughs> oh, please. Yeah, I know. And But I mean, I figured out when, when Becky was doing the, um, the, the hourly count. So in my mom's case, I had a caregiver come in for one hour a day, Monday through Saturday to sort of help my mom start her day. Mm-hmm. And then as time went on, I I was drowning. And so we hired this wonderful woman to come out in for six hours on Tuesday and Thursday. So I could just sort of like have some time. So that was 12 hours. So it was 18 hours total of care a week that we had hired for my mom. Um, that left 150 hours of care left for me. See, yeah. And I, and I, I included the night times because I had to keep my phone by my bed for the chance that I would get a call in the middle of the night. Right. So 
it was 150 hours a week of it being on my mind. And this is where the financial piece comes in. And this is why if you've got parents in their 60s and 70s, y'all got to sit down and have a talk. That amount of care in a small town in America was $2,000 a month. Boy. And that's so, not including like living expenses and all those no, things. No, that was just – that was just – that was just that hour, care. Yeah. That was 18 hours of care a week was $2,000 a month. Right. And so it's like these are things that we just – we just we didn't sit down and have the talk, all of us, my sisters, my mom, everybody, just to sit down and play, which is, which is weird for me because I am – I can do the worst-case scenario game really well. <laughs> and I think that that's the conversation that you kind of have to have. Like, okay, what if you can't shower, go to the bathroom by yourself, cook for yourself, walk? What what does that look like? Right. What 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 kind I mean, go worst case scenario with your mm-hmm. parents. What do you all want? What does that look like with your siblings? Who who feels like they have the home that can take that on? Who's comfortable taking that on if we hire a 24/7 caregiver and having that person in your house? I mean, it's it, it's 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 crazy to think about. And, you know, I mean, there are lots of families that the, the, the financial piece is devastating. Devastating. Yeah. And, you know, and the, and the hard part is for this generation, my mom's generation, which I think was fairly – I don't think my mom was alone. She was a Depression-era baby. They were so sort of frugal and careful with their money and – and then in the end and, – and my mom was careful because she wanted to make sure that she left something to us because her mm-hmm. father left something to her. And I think it pains her to think that this is where it will all go. Yeah. Here. A lifetime of saving, you know, and I'm not speaking of my mom's situation per se right now, but for a lot of people, a lifetime of saving is gone in two years. Because it's just years. so expensive to manage Because it's so expensive. Care. So, you know, it, it's – it's just a conversation that I think, you know, reading reading Becky's email, knowing that there are so many of me's and Becky's and my mom's and dad's out there that are really struggling to figure out the way on this. Yeah. I think the conversation between the siblings, too, though, even like separate from the parents is so yeah. important that everybody's like really upfront about their financial situation. I'm sort of convinced that one of the greatest gifts you can get in life is to have siblings who are in the, generally the same financial situation as you. Yeah. Because every time I hear about families who are just like really struggling with like maybe a maybe the parent, you know, the grandparents being taken advantage of or a fight over assets and all of that. I mean, at its right. core it comes because certain people you know, struggle more financially. Like if you're on the same level playing field with your siblings, I think that's like a really amazing gift. But right. having that conversation about where is everybody at, what if if you had to, what do you contribute? And then for the person who is doing the primary, you know, managing of everything and appointments and all of that, what is that worth? I mean, because right. that has to be worth something, you know, it, it's like, that's a huge amount of labor. And then obvi- and then like, you know, the, the emotional cost that that comes, the, the relationship with your parents that you're giving up. I mean, as Becky is describing how she's, she's now on medication and, and managing 
like the, you know, the kind of breakdown of a relationship with her parents that she never wanted that breakdown to happen. And if she wasn't the primary caregiver, would that breakdown be happening? Probably not. No. I mean, the consequences of saying yes to being the caregiver. And I, I mean, I think part of the complication is I didn't say, and it's my own naivete. I mean, I have a really good friend who was so kind. I was, he called me on a day where I was not in a good place. Mm -hmm. (laughs) You know, it's kind of the thing where he asked me how, he's like, how are you? And then you accidentally told him. (laughs) No, no, no. I have a really good relation with him. I said, I can tell you how I really am, or I can just say, fine. It's your choice of which you want to hear. And he said, tell me the truth. And so we ended up, and he's a super busy guy. It was so sweet. And we ended up talking for about an hour. And at one point, I sort of like said everything. And then at one point he goes, do you want my advice? And I said, yes. (laughs) And he's like, you did this. You did this. You said yes. Yeah. And, and so that's, and and that was good to hear in the sense I said yes, because I thought, because I was naive about what it means when you're saying yes to somebody who's 88 Mm -hmm. and, and I was told she could live independently right? and, and no, there was no, nobody intended to, to mislead. There was no, I mean, I have no animosity toward anybody in my family we were just all naive in what we thought was possible. And I think we were falsely hopeful. Yeah. Because I don't think – I research everything to death. I should have, like, looked up YouTube. Like, what does it mean to be old? Yeah. Like, how many times do you actually look at videos of, like, what a really old person does, looks like, or needs? We don't want to look at it. No. I know. Boy, that's a really good point, Marjorie. And so I didn't even – the things I didn't even know were possible. Yeah are possible. And so, but I always will appreciate that. He's like, do you want my advice? Yes. Well, you did this. Okay. (laughs) Okay. But you know, Um, I think there, what I really think is incredible about you in this Marjorie is that, and, and you know, we've talked about this in bits and pieces on the podcast and then you and I have also talked about it separately, but that, um, you know, you, you had an understanding of when it was going too far. I mean, it wasn't that. Yeah that long before you were like, okay, pump the brakes. Like, I think you knew pretty quickly, I am in over my ski tips here and this is not going to work. And then it becomes that sort of realization. And I think, you know, that's something that we talk about here of like, you know, our, our pain points in the day or like things that you realize are unsustainable and being self-aware enough to know, oh my gosh, I am having severe increased anxiety right now. I'm having these things. And being able to be open and honest about that and then take steps to remedy the situation. I say that all with the caveat that you have to have financial resources in able, yeah. in order to make those changes whenever we talk about these things. You know, it's, you don't just say, oh, you need to get more help without understanding that help doesn't come for free in most cases. Right. right. And, 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 and that makes it, I mean, I, we have such a range age of listeners to the podcast. It's incumbent on the 60 plus set that listens to the this podcast to get your financial house in order to really yeah. figure it out yeah. you know and and it doesn't necessarily have to cost money no matter how much money you have if you've been saving for retirement 
to talk to a financial planner to, you know, if you don't have long-term health care insurance, is that possible when you're 60? Is it possible to, 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 to do that? I mean, it's better to do it in your 40s. But quite frankly, a lot of financial planners will tell you don't get long-term health care insurance. Right. But, but you know, I have friends whose parents did it in the 90s. I think we may have touched on this in the podcast. I can't remember. And apparently, like, in the 90s, long-term health care insurance was, like, fabulous. <laughs> so I have friends who's, who parents paid, like, a chunk of money for it, but now everything's covered. Oh, see. But I don't think I don't know that they offer that anymore because yeah, it can't be a winning. losing money. Yeah. So I mean, but those are the things that need to be researched, and certainly those are the things that I'm researching now because I want to make sure. I mean, I remember when I was younger, I knew some women that were going into menopause, mm-hmm. and they were not happy. <laughs> like it was not going well, <laughs> and so I remember thinking, "Oh, I'm not doing it that way." I'm, and I just started researching diet, everything I could do to mitigate it, even though everybody's experience with that is completely different. For sure. But I was like, you know, if there's anything I can do, I'm going to do it now. I was like probably in my young 40s. I'm going to do it now so that I soar into that phase of my life in the best way possible. Yeah. And I feel like that's what my mother's given me in this experience is it's like seeing it and knowing, okay, no, no, I'm not going to do that. Right. I'm going to figure it out now. I'm 57. I've got time to really sort of figure this out. But for those of you who don't have the cautionary tale, take it from Becky or me that you still need to figure it out because mm-hmm. it's, 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 it's real and it's something and it's hard. It is. I'm so glad that we are having this conversation because I think it is really important to think about. And it's important. um, You're right. You can't just like close your eyes. Mm. You know, it's like you close your eyes while you're driving. You're going to drive off the road. You know, I mean, it's like you can't just close your eyes and be like, ah, hopefully I just don't hit the wall. You know, I mean, you, you are going to, you are going to be um, going through the loss of your parents either the loss of them and then the loss of who they once were. Everybody will be going through that at some point. It's this universal thing. And I mean, grief is so something that we just don't talk about enough in our culture and we don't honor enough and all of those things. Um, But it's like, if we just don't think about it, then maybe we won't happen. And here I've got a newsflash for you. There hasn't been a single person on this earth, including Jesus Christ himself, who didn't die. Who didn't die. Everybody dies. There was was a really beautiful, I should have saved it. Maybe I'll try and go back and find it. It was a beautiful audio story that was on Apple News. And it was a New York Times reporter who was writing about the medically assisted death uh, that her father chose. Yeah. So there are eight or nine states in the United States that let you, um, that let patients choose um, to die. Yeah. It's like an assisted suicide, right? They no longer call it that. Okay. That's Um, not PC. No, it's not even that it's not PC. I think they're trying really to change that language. Yeah. Because it's such... Because I think the feeling is from people who support it is that it's a really healthy choice. Yeah. So her her father had ALS and mm. just had decided that this is what he wanted to do. And they had a cabin in Maine. And Maine is one of the states that allows it. And there are very stringent um, 
sort of interviews that you have to go through? Like you just right. can't say, go to your doctor and say, yeah, I want it. Give me the prescription. Right. You have to get two doctor's approvals. It's it's all, you know, vetted heavily. Yeah, that you're but a sound mind, that you're not that being you're influenced sound mind, by anybody else. Yeah. That you, and in Maine, it's that you will be, you will die anyway within six months. I mean, it's it's all sorts of things. But in, I don't know what all the laws are for the eight different or nine different states that allow it. But it was a really beautiful, I mean, she's a writer. So the way she was talking about it, she was just talking about how her, it gave her father agency back. You know, in what ALS took away, the ability to make that choice, and it's still very controversial, the ability to make that choice gave her father back sort of the soul of who he was. Mm-hmm. And she said the night that, that it was going to happen, they were all up at the cabin and they were drinking his finest bourbon. And he just kind of looked at him and said, it's time. Wow. And it's a liquid and he drank it and he peacefully passed away as they were holding his hand. And, you know, it's hard to just not go to and think – Okay. That's not a bad way. No. You know? I mean, surrounded by the people that you love and um, and being ready and being able to say goodbye. I mean, yeah. and to avoid a lot of pain and suffering. I don't know. I know of many, um, you know, I have a friend whose mom passed away of cancer many, many years and it was a mm. five-year battle. And at the oh. end, uh, you know, it was like she just wanted to be done. Yeah. And she just didn't want to live you know, there are many ways that we can all think about, like how I wouldn't want to live if this was what my life was. There's right. a million things you could list, right? Right. And so having, um, being able to make that decision and then also being able to remove a lot of those decisions from your family right, is really so, important. But when we talk about the hard conversations, that's also one of them. Mm-hmm. If that's something that your family could get their head around. Yeah. We just signed but, our wills the other day, Marjorie. How do you feel about that? We just I'm it. proud of you. <laughs> and I'm then proud I said, of you. just FYI, Jay, you know that I want to be cremated, right? Oh, God. And he was like, yes. And then I and then I realized I didn't know for him. And I was like, what about you? And he was like, cremated. Yeah. And I'm like, great. Good talk. I'm like, I don't want to be decomposing in a box underneath the ground. Nope. I don't nope. feel good about it, but I would like a lovely headstone. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> but you know- but again, it's that conversation and you have to have those conversations. You have to have them. I will tell you there's a, there's a, there's a cemetery near our house here and it's got you know, beautiful old headstones from 1800s. But there are a couple of really cool mausoleums and one of them is like it's a mound of dirt. So you walk it up from behind and you see this mound of dirt. And then when you come to the front of it, Elizabeth, it's stone with a little gate and there's a little bench. So anybody who wanted to visit would have, you know, you go through the Just little a gate. a place to sit, yeah. A place to sit. And I think the, the gravestone, I think it's, um, the, the man's name was J.W. Fortune. So it just has his name on top. That's a good name. I think that's his name. And I took the boys there and I'm like, that's what I want. I want that. <laughs> just a mound of dirt somewhere. Cremated. I want to be cremated, but just stick me in there and then just come visit me. And I want you to sit because I know Campbell would come read. I know yeah. he would bring a book and just sit next to me. Yeah. Read. I mean, listen, we bring but, our kids to CJ's mom and it is, oh. you know, and every time we've had a baby, we bring the baby. Do you? 
Yeah. And it, it is, um, and we go, you know, like on her birthday we go, um, and we meet the family there and it, it is, um, you know, it's always emotional. I get emotional thinking about it, but yeah, I bet you, I bet, I bet that's filled with so much joy and sadness for Jay. Oh yeah. I mean, there's a lot of like telling her about, you know, what he wishes that she was here for. So I don't know, you know, it's hard no matter what, it's hard, whatever, whatever place you're in. I think you just, you got to love big while everybody is here and of sound mind and, and then ask for what you need when you're making, going through the difficult times. I love, love big. There we go. There we go, everybody. Well, thank you so much, Marjorie. And thank you to Becky who shared that. And I hope that she feels um, validated and heard and empowered to remember that, you know, her wonderful parents want her to live her life too. Yeah. And that there's no shame in trying to take some of that back, even while caring for them. Um, if you're enjoying this podcast, please subscribe wherever you get your podcast. As the kids say, Marjorie, they say, smash that subscribe button and share. They say, smash it. Smash that subscribe button. That's apparently what these kids today say. Share it. Share it with a friend. Share it on your Instagram stories. We'd love that so much. Give us a review at Apple Podcasts, too. Find us on Facebook and Instagram at Best of the Nest. We are the podcast that brings you home. To be your best every day, you need proven quality sleep every night. Science proves your best sleep is vital to your mental, emotional, and physical health. And that's where the Sleep Number Bed comes in. And let me tell you, ever since I've had it, my Sleep IQ score is just going higher and higher. And did you know 8 out of 10 couples say that one of them sleeps too hot or too cold? Science tells us regulating your sleep temperature leads to higher quality sleep. For many couples, temperature struggles are a real challenge. So here are some tips to help you both sleep just right. Look for beds designed with temperature benefits such as the new Sleep Number Climate 360 Smart Bed that actively warms and cools each side so you both sleep blissfully comfortable. And now save 40% on the Sleep Number 360 Special Edition Smart Bed. Plus, special financing for a limited time. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com slash podcast one. Sleep Number, the official sleep and wellness partner of the National Football League. Subject to credit approval, minimum monthly payments required. See sleepnumber.com for details. Grab a 30-day free trial of Live by Live Plus and you'll get unlimited skips, commercial-free music, and all of the podcasts and live streaming events you can handle. Visit livexlive.com slash podcast one to learn more and start your free trial.